afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things we're going to look at when it comes to the markets today. And with Brad Coima joining us with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. You know we're going to talk cattle and a lot of discussion as what's been happening with the cash, the box beef exports. We'll look at maybe some possibilities, some undervalued when it comes to the deferreds. And to start out, though, Brad, we're going to look at um, JBS because we know it made some news as the uh, the weekend kind of took full swing. There were some people that walked out of JBS there in Colorado wanting more money. Right, and that seems to be it's an issue of money rather than a, another outbreak of COVID-19, which I guess that's good, right? I mean, it's better than that. Um, I understand that you know, Friday afternoon there was a walkout. Uh, some of the same personalities that uh, uh, initiated the, the, the first walkout a couple of months ago um, uh, was also the, the, the initiating uh, force here. Uh, so they lost their Saturday kill. Uh, if they are killing today, I'm not sure that they're getting 100% uh, of what they would like to typically do, um, but they are killing today. So um, I, I think I think it's well documented that of the big four, uh, maybe the slowest to respond with economic incentive to their help was JBS, is JBS. Uh, I know there are other packers that are using some kind of incentive program based on um, on uh, uh, you know whether you show up to work uh, that there's an automatic bonus. Um, so I'm hoping that we can um, overcome that. There was also there's is also some issues at a Tyson plant in Amarillo, um, which they tell me is over similar things. That it isn't that that uh, there's a whole bunch of people sick, but rather it's complaining maybe about working conditions or maybe about not enough compensation or something like that too. So I know that that Amarillo Tyson plant has been uh, a little less than that full capacity here for a few days. So we do need to keep an eye on that. We need every shackle space we can to get caught up. Oh, very much so. We saw some decent cash sales uh, last week. Is it in part because we came off of that uh, holiday weekend? You know, maybe I think we came through a deal where we found out we've had pretty good restock, reorder, you know, a, a business on some of this beef trade, particularly in the domestic market. Uh, while I think that the boxes may still be a little vulnerable here, and some of that's mostly because of the calendar, um, they have not been the flat-out puke that it had been for a while, right? Um, so, you know, stabilizing in that 205 range, uh, we might dip below 200 for a little while. Uh, but I was encouraged. Um, I sold the cattle the highest. I've sold them in three or four weeks last week. Not that that's such a runaway, but a dollar sixty in the meat. Um, and the south was a little firmer at 95.6 on a few cattle. Um, I, of course, I'd like to be a glass half full. This has been such a nightmare for the producer here. Um, the other thing, I, I wondered whether this is a factor or not, but I keep track of the formula prices and then the cash prices. Uh, mostly I do that because I'm a, a big proponent of, of a mandate that makes the packer have to buy more negotiated cash cattle. And so I like to keep very close tabs on the formula values versus the dress or the, the, the cash value. And for the first time, I believe in eight weeks, they're about the same this week. The data just came in here a few minutes before you and I came on. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you don't suppose maybe we're getting through some of that slug of those formulas because that's where they all are in Texas and Kansas, of course. So we'll have to monitor that for another week or two and see if that really is the case. I, I know that there's still some cattle backed up. I just would like to think we're making some progress. That's good news for the cattle producer, knowing that we're finally not seeing all those extras sitting in the feedlots waiting to go. Well, yeah, and, and I, I guess I want to be careful to understand that. I, 
uh, we're, it's not like all roses and daisies yet in Texas and Kansas. I, I think I think we've made a significant progress though in Iowa and Nebraska, and I would I don't think I think there's other industry experts that would would agree with me. Um, I spent a couple of you know off and on a couple of last three days uh, polling some of the Nebraska feedlots that I am familiar with. Uh, normally this is the time of year, of course, where we would see a you know smaller census at these feed yards because of the seasonality selling calves, but uh, almost almost to a person, uh, the several feedlots I talked to all said that they have. Uh, more empty pens than they typically do, even though they would typically have some uh, that they have more than they usually do. So I think the feeling is that the north is in okay shape, you know, normal shape. Uh, now we just got to, you know, you know, we got to get through this slug here of, of, of backed up cattle that they have in the south. So having empty pens, does that make you nervous as you look at the uh, long term of not having cattle in those in those feedlots right now? Well, you know, I don't know if I'd use nervous as the word. I, it gives me a little hope, right? Um, um, placements are a curious thing, you know, and analysts are, and I'm probably guilty of making some of these these, these glib type uh, comments. You know, last time I checked, a cow generally has one calf, right? And that calf will generally go on feed, whether it goes on feed in um, October or if it becomes a yearling and goes on feed the following August or goes to a grow yard, goes to yada yada. You know, the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is this calf's going to get handled any number of different ways. And so it's going to affect when they go to the market, right? Um, if it stays on grass longer, growing two pounds a day, two and a half pounds a day, instead of going to a feedlot where it's going to go three and a quarter, three and a half. I get all that. I'm a feeder. So what you had in February, March, and April, you had a huge drop in the placements, over 800,000 cattle a year on your difference. 800,000 cattle difference placements, February, March, and April. So you know, does that shortfall of the placements, where does that overlap with the carryover of the, some people think a million, some people think a little more than that. I'd say a little less than a million. Where does that, where does that overlap with each other then and go, okay, all of a sudden we're in a little better shape, right? So, um, you know, if I had a, throw a target, you know, throw a dart, you know, someplace after Labor Day, it would be my target, uh, maybe into October. Um, so, you know, actually the deferred cattle, um, I actually have a fair amount of enthusiasm for. I think uh, the economy appears to be, you know, coming back decently. Uh, I think demand has shown that it's okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, if we get back to some kind of normal supply deal, I don't, I don't, there's no reason we have to stay at 95 cents to a dollar for cattle. We should get back to something that's more seasonally normal. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about what we're seeing in these cattle in the hog market as well, as we'll look at how wet it was the last couple of days and its effects on the grain market. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Brad Coima of Coima, Coima and Varlick, we talked about where we were at cash-wise. Um, makes me think about the box beef, and I know you and I talked about this before we started this show, is we've seen some slippage. Do you think that's going to continue into this week? Um, I would say likely we'll lose a little more ground on the boxes, and I, I want to be careful that... Um, People don't misunderstand that I'm, you know, sending out a sympathy call to the uh, Packers. Um, even if the boxes get to 190, I mean, that would still support a dollar 15, uh, 20 market uh, cash market, and they'd still have some room to have some profits. But no, you know, it, it's it's the it's the summer doldrums, right? Uh, this is very normal. You get after Father's Day, and typically the beef features switch away from steaks, etc., to more a grinding meat type of deal. Uh, it, 
Now, as we approach Labor Day, that's when we'll start to get a little more of a beef feature again. So, yeah, we've got kind of four to six weeks here where we got to chop wood with kind of a sloppy uh, box beef market. But um, I, I don't think that that's a reason to necessarily be bearish uh, from the price level that we're at. The deferred cattle you talked about being undervalued. What are your thoughts on that and what it's going to mean in the near term and long term? Well, you're starting to see the market lilt, tilt uh, a little bit. Uh, again, today where the deferreds are okay, some of the months were even higher as compared to like the front end of the market. Um, there's a couple of things about the deferreds. One, first of all, fundamental. And I, and I think fundamentally, we would look. I would look at the back months and say, well, eventually we're going to hopefully get beyond COVID-19. We're going to get to the point where uh, we're used to this new normal. We're going to get restaurants open to a certain fashion. We're going to return our export business to where it used to be. Uh, and we're going to you know, not sweat every time we hear about a Greeley or an Amarillo, right? We're going to assume that we can get kill capacity done at a no relatively normal level. Well, uh, you know, then if you're looking at a dollar ten market in the deferreds where for the last, what, five Februarys, they've gone to $1.25 to $1.30. Why wouldn't we at least put a little value on the dollar ten? I actually believe fundamentally also that this, the, the, the part of the cattle cycle that you're on, where you saw tremendous female slaughter for two consecutive years, both heifers and, and cows, uh, heifer, unusual heifer slaughter up 8% one year, up 6% the other year, um, that you know that you've rounded the bend as it were. And now we're going to go into a few less fed cattle because of the less fed heifers. So. You know, I, I can I can spin it fundamentally that way. Uh, also, the 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 other you know non-fundamental factor would be is if you're a fund trader and there's plenty of them and they're important to the market uh, and they've been completely absent. Open interest is at a near record low uh, for the last few years here on the cow. Uh, they don't uh, they don't like to play in a market that uh, has this much uncertainty. They don't like the idea of an uncertain economy uh, of a, uncertain ability to, 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 to harvest animals on a timely fashion. And, and so they're largely missing. Now, if the market starts to get back to normal, like if we, if we would close above the May highs and we were trading there on October and December today, if we would close there, I think you'd start to get the funds to come in. Now, the funds are not going to buy August. They're going to buy deferreds. So that's another reason why I have a little enthusiasm for the back end of the market. What are we seeing um, export-wise? I know this isn't the normal time that we're talking about big export numbers. Um, not too good for cattle. Are we seeing some decent opportunities for hogs? Certainly no runaway in the cattle. Um, decent on the hogs. A couple of weeks ago, it was quite good. Last week at 30, was, you know, give it a B minus, you know, uh, decent enough. Um, but we continue to have steady business to the, to the main culprits are the main people that we want to do business with. That's China. Um, so I, I think that the demand side of the market on the hogs is okay. The, the struggle we've got here is we've got the same ridiculous backlog and it might be worse on the hogs some people think although i do have a little encouragement from the fact that the average weights were down almost a pound and a half last week uh, we not we have not on the cattle yet seen that week on week where we're starting to come down um we're starting to get a little of that in the hogs so i'm a little bit encouraged but my oh my is that market a wreck so was it wet in your neck of the woods like it was here over the weekend we up in the northwest corner of Iowa where I sit, our crops look good. Uh, in fact, we might have even had a little more rain prior to this hot spell uh, than some of the areas. I know I caught uh, oh, like a big inch just before, like about four or five days ago. Uh, the last one we didn't really catch a lot of, but uh, certainly the crops here uh, look pretty good. I did, I did a little crop tour of my own last Wednesday. I had to go down to uh, Des Moines and to Ames for 
some Iowa Cattlemen's meetings. And so I kind of took a big loop through the western half of Iowa, and I was surprised from Ames all the way to, like, Kingsley, Remsen. Uh, the corn was real stressy looking, uh, kind of that gray color rolled up. I, I'm a farmer, too. I know it's not dead yet then, but, you know, it's to the point where I needed some rain. But that area did catch a little rain, a little more than expected um, over the weekend. And uh, a customer of ours, you know, told me he got an inch and a quarter out of it. You know, it would be a real uh, game saver, right? What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Hey, give us a call, 800-358-3047. Thanks again for having me on. I enjoyed it. No problem. Brad Coyne has been joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe to your free podcast, and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.